It's time for football. Kevin De Bruyne! Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Hello and welcome to Just for Kicks with myself, Cam Ruslan. And we have three magnificent pundits who I'm going to call the, the Gen Z pundits. I've no idea really what a Gen Z is, but um, Friday now is going to be officially the, the baby boomer one. So we got the, the kids over here, starting with Keshika Subarao. Hello, everyone. Great to have you here. Azran Rosen. Hey, hey guys. It's great to be part of Gen Z. Eh? <laughs> Whatever that is. And Arvin Sidhu. Hi, everyone. Cam, besides Gen Z, I mean, our teams didn't play over the weekend, but we are here. So that shows commitment. No Leeds, no Man United, no Liverpool, but we are here. So... I know. And actually, to be honest, that's the way I like it. Because when you people get, your teams get beaten, you get so miserable and it's just, it's just horrible. So I'm glad you're all happy. Um, but this week, we're going to be looking at uh, Premier League. Some Premier League matches did happen, despite um, the funeral for the late Queen Elizabeth. But some did happen. Plus, we'll also be looking at Champions League and Europa League. So I want to start with, and I think we we'll, might spend a bit of time on this one, Spurs, Tottenham Hotspurs 6, Leicester 2. Arvin, you play the team that's in front of you. Leicester were, well, they started quite brightly. But Spurs and a certain um, Son Yumin really, are they going to win the league? I don't think they're going to win the league, but they're, they're making for a very good case for pushing right on top. I mean, they came from behind and then they literally just created a riot after that, I thought. I mean, of course, the highlight will be the 13-minute the hat-trick from Song Hyun Min and some of the goals were actually fantastic. The first and second one were just incredible goals and you expect that from a character like Song Hyun Min. But, but Don Conte has remained undefeated against Leicester. Leicester is one of his favourite teams that he plays against, so he would have come out of that feeling quite confident. They unfortunately got undone by spotting Lisbon in, in the, the Champions League. Very spursy in still that competition. But in the league, they're proving to be less spursy than usual. Uh, but other than that, I thought, uh, besides Son, I thought Rodrigo Bentoco was excellent in the midfield. He, he, he created one of the goals where Wilfred Ndidi will probably still be having nightmares from it. Eric Dyer, who's got an England recall now, has, has is a player rejuvenated under, under Conte. So, so Spurs are going great guns, and it all makes up for very interesting watching the first week of October, North London derby, Spurs versus Arsenal. That's going to be really good. Keshka, I'd like to talk about Leicester here because you you actually teach football, and one of the things that mystifies me about Leicester is they they can't defend against set pieces. Uh, they they let in corners, and uh, Brendan Rodgers is supposedly a very good manager, but the f- manager's job is to teach how to defend against corners. Uh, how, how is it possible for a team to not be able to defend against corners? I think it's just the environment surrounding Leicester at the moment because I don't think there's a lot of confidence or a lot of inspiration within the team. They, they don't seem to have the ambition to want to attack, let alone defend corners. Because I believe that if you want to defend corners, the first key thing is communication. And when they don't actually trust each other and they don't really have confidence. And I don't think... Right now, they have confidence in the manager either. Then that's where the plan falls apart. The plan is good and it's great, but if you can't execute it, then that's what happens. So I think that's what actually went down. Well, the manager, Brendan Rodgers, uh, I think he said that he will accept whatever happens, which is, I think, his way of saying, please sack me. Azran, oh gosh, you know, Leicester, one point. One point after seven matches. And they haven't bought anybody. I was I was watching, so Astro... Um, 
I was going to call him Calamity James, David James, the uh, got the uh, goalkeeper for uh, Liverpool. He, did I say David James? Um, he uh, he was saying it's about the, the 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 goalkeeper and the loss of Casper Schmeichel. Um, the, the, how can they possibly reconstruct if they're not going to? They can't buy any players, and they're going to have to pay a lot of money for Brendan Rodgers. This is the end of Leicester. Yeah, it looks like it, um, Cam. Uh, I think, as you mentioned, Brendan Rodgers has somewhat, I think, thrown in the the white flag. Uh, they are atrocious at this point. I mean, they started well. I think, as uh, Arvin mentioned just now, the first ten minutes of the game was exciting, to say the least. You no, know, with the penalty, uh, there was a retake of the penalty and everything else. Uh, but then they capitulated as their previous game. So they haven't been able to recruit. Again, obviously, the loss of Casper Schmeichel was huge. We thought Danny Ward, and I think Brendan Rodgers was hoping that Danny Ward being an international goalkeeper would step up to the plate, but he's really, he really doesn't look like a premiership goalkeeper at this point of time. And uh, you see that Leicester has conceded most goals in the premiership, even, I mean, considering Bournemouth conceded nine goals in one game, and yet Leicester has steadily conceded goal after goal. Uh, like what Keshka mentioned, there's no confidence at all. I think there's no confidence in the manager with each other in the club. I think it looks as if they're heading straight down to the championship season, for sure. Yeah. It's a shame. I mean, 2016 was a magnificent season. Hey, um, Arvin, Wolves nil, Man City three. I think, I think Manchester City are quite a good team. I'm not quite sure what you think. They, I mean, they come at you from every angle, and and Haaland scored from outside the box. I've not seen that in in his 11 goals in seven matches. <laughs> He's done it once before. There was a threat through for a couple of defenders and he scored one previously as well. But Pep is starting to dominate and his team are starting to dominate all the early records. You're looking at most goals, Haaland, most assists, Kevin De Bruyne, most team goals, I think it's like at, at, at 23 or something, like that. could be a little bit more. Most passes, they pass you to depth. Um, and the very scary thing about, about this City team is if you look at the first two goals, you look at the confidence that you have in someone like Phil Foden doing a back heel on the first goal, a literally a back heel on the second minute to put in Kevin De Bruyne. And I, perhaps management of Jack Grealish, I think has been absolutely fantastic because he came out and said that I, I, I we didn't buy Jack Grealish for goals and assists. And to be honest, Jack Grealish gets a lot of flack, but Jack Grealish never scored a lot of goals either at Aston Villa. But he's come out and said that that's an area of game that he wants to improve. In the Champions League, when they played against Dortmund, he took him off. He took him off after 58 minutes because he wasn't doing well. Any other scenario, you would think that he wouldn't start on the weekend. But Pep stood by his players, stuck by him. And Grealish was one of the best players on the, on the, on the day itself, besides Haaland. So for me, the scary thing about City is that they can do these things. And even the Haaland goal, the connection that he made on that shot wasn't a clean connection. But he still scored. So you can think of the fact that they strive for perfection, but even when they don't get to that level of perfection, they're scoring goals for fun. So I think that they're a really incredibly scary proposition. I don't see any weaknesses in that team. Manuel Akanji, who I was never a big fan at Dortmund, came in and looks a different player under Pep Guardiola. So, yeah, I mean, they're just going great guns at this moment in time. And Haaland could break Alan Shearer's record of 34 goals in a season. If he's at this current rate, he will break it. And uh, Keshka, uh, I want to point out one thing. I bet that Roy Keane, who famously, notoriously, uh, took a, a sledgehammer to the legs of uh, Harland's father. I, I really doubt he would have dared do it to the son. Um, but 
Kashika, I, I want to ask you, this is an unfair question. Uh, to, not to talk about the, the, the brilliance of um, Manchester City, but Wolverhampton Wanderers, what's it like? <laughs> I felt so sorry for them. When you go on the pitch against a team that you know is better than you, and you, you, you uh, let in a goal in the first minute, I would want to go home at that point. But you, you've got another 90 minutes to go. What on earth do you do? I think the manager should, would have known that going into this fixture, but it's how you prepare your team mentally. It's what you say to them and how you get them ready for fixtures like this will make a difference. I don't think Wolves actually played that bad. No. For that game. They pressed very well. They kept the, the intensity. But City's just too good. Um, I think give them different objective because whatever they reap out of this game, they can carry it into the next fixture. And I think it, to be fair, it's 3-0. It could have been way higher scoreline than that. So an objective would be, just make it 3-0. <laughs> Ideally, you wouldn't want to tell them that, but I think it shows a lot of character combos because, like you said, if you score, if you go 1-0 down in the first minute, knowing what kind of picture this would be, it shows that the mindset the players at Wolves have. Right. Uh, okay, we're going to carry on with the Premier League uh, and a little bit later the Champions League and Europa League uh, here on Just for Kicks. When we get back on BFM 89.9. And we're back on Just for Kicks with Azran, Keshka and Arvin. And now Azran. Well, they're the top of the league. It was Brentford nil, Arsenal 3. And uh, last season, Brentford absolutely embarrassed Arsenal by winning at the beginning of the season. But this is a new Arsenal. And uh, they were very good. How come? It's a great time to be a North London football fan, isn't it? I mean, initially, just now we spoke about Spurs. Now Arsenal, both of them are actually the ones that is putting or holding Man City at bay, uh, or else Man City will be running away with the league easily. Uh, Arsenal played very, very well yesterday. Uh, very well to the extent that it allowed them to put in a 15-year-old schoolboy um, uh, at the very I mean, last couple of minutes, uh, putting the record as the youngest ever player in the Premier League. Um, again, they were... They, they controlled the game. Uh, they had most of the possession. This is definitely, as you mentioned, a new Arsenal. Um, I think one of their stars uh, for the past couple of games has been uh, the defender, William Saliba. Uh, he scored the first goal, of course. But not just the fact that he scored the first goal. He is strong. He defends well. He helps out with the attack. And obviously, uh, popping up with a goal or two every now and then definitely helps with your, with your league campaign. And Jesus, again, Gabriel Jesus scored as well. So it's all good in uh, North London at this point of time. Really looking forward for the North London derby in a couple of weeks. Arvin, are they going to win the league? I mean, we were talking about Man City a bit earlier, who are awesome. Yeah. Arsenal are good, but yeah. not awesome. Yeah, they're very good. They're going to awesome. I, I'm just really impressed by the mentality that Arsenal has shown compared to seasons before. They've got proven winners in that squad right now. I mean, when you entice someone like Gabriel Jesus to come over, who's won multiple Premier Leagues, as Zinchenko has come over, not featured as much as Gabriel Jesus, but he's there. Those are guys that know how to do it. So it's a very different Arsenal squad. There's a lot of steel about this team right now. Uh, you look at the fact that Kieran Tierney came in, uh, Thomas Partey came in midfield as well, and then they, they, they had a debut goal for Fabio Vieira as well. So overall... Um, I think it was summed up really well by the the other defender Gabriel's uh, tweet that said it was a nice kickabout with the boys because that's what it was. It was literally a kickabout with, with with the boys. They it was almost exhibition football at one time. The only thing about Arsenal for me is that the opposition that they've played and and of course you cannot blame them. But when they had their first test, uh, they lost one of the big games that they've lost, and now they've got Spurs coming up next. So for me, it's just a matter of 
they have to do it against the big boys. But I believe Mikel Arteta is getting them there because he's proven to be a really good manager and has learned a lot from Pep. So getting to awesome, but not the title for him. Well, Kashika, I mean, he did learn from Pep, but is this um, is Arteta just Pep on a smaller budget? Or, or is there a, a style of play that's different? I think there's a style of play that's different. Um, I believe the way that Arteta knows how to push the players' button is the, the key difference for him. Because um, I think it was the Amazon Prime documentary that it showed that when they, when Brentford uh, tweeted about being a uh, kickabout in the park, he used that tweet to motivate the players to get a good performance when they scored 2-1 against them. So I think he knew which um, button to push to get the performance he needed out of his players. And they're doing this quite consistently this season. So I think there's a bit of a difference with him and Pep in that sense. Yeah, because Pep is not known for his motivation. <laughs> People management. People management. <laughs> um, okay, well, uh, Arsenal then, the consensus is, I guess, not yet their time. But uh, I want to move on to the three of you. I need your help here. Two matches coming up. Aston Villa won Southampton nil, but also Everton won West Ham nil. Arvin, Aston Villa won Southampton nil. I do not understand Aston Villa, and I do not understand Southampton. I just don't get it. Why don't you start with telling me what is Southampton? You're, you're literally, the narrative is you're picking the best out of a poor bunch with these two, really. I mean... <laughs> At the end of the game, if you looked at Steven Gerrard and the celebration, the passionate shout of relief you could see from him, it almost came through the, 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 the television because it's their first clean sheet of the season. I think it was first in 12. Uh, and it was important for them to follow up after drawing with Man City, which I think no one gave them a chance. But after you go away and you draw with Man City, you look at the fixture list, you've got Southampton at home. you got to do it. So for me, Villa have got maybe a little bit more direction than Southampton. But Southampton for me as well, I, I just, I, I, I struck, I, Ralph Hasenhutl for me, the biggest mistake he ever made was coming out and saying that he might not be around in the next couple of years, not just in Southampton, but football generally. When you make statements like that, it's a very subconscious thing with players to say that, hey, he might not be around for long. Maybe I won't give my effort fully because who knows, he might go and another manager could come in. Ever since he's done that, they've just been on a slide and the slide is going more and more. And they're dependable players as well. Kyle Walker-Peters didn't play well on the day itself. Adam Armstrong was really, really not even on the pitch. Uh, but they've got one bright spark, and I have to bring it up. There's a chap called Armel Bella Kochup. He's a German international, and he continues to impress at the centre-back partnership that they have. And he was even called up to the list to the recent German squad. But that's the only thing about Southampton. Um, Villa, a little bit more direction, but Southampton... I just feel it's a it's time waiting for Ralph to eventually move on. Mm. Hey, Azran, you're a Liverpool fan, so therefore it's Saint Stephen Gerrard for you. Blah blah blah. But if you can keep some sort of level of professional objectivity for a moment, Aston Villa under Stephen Gerrard, it seems like a very ad hoc game by game thing. Just whatever style, give it to Coutinho, let him shoot from distance. Well, I I think I echo what uh, Arvin mentioned. It it between, I mean, the the four teams you mentioned just now, Everton getting their first win, Villa getting a clean sheet after so many, so many diff- twelve games, right? Uh, coming off a great result against Man City, so again, 
I think these are beleaguered league managers, as we know, uh, Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard. Gerrard, when he took over uh, the helm uh, last year, Villa was in really deep waters. At that point of time, I actually questioned the reason why Gerrard wanted to move to Aston Villa rather than wait for a bigger club. Because he was doing well, he brought Rangers to the Champions League and he decided to test himself in the Premier League. Uh, at a club that was struggling at that point of time. He did well, he brought them to safety, and then after that, their performance started to dip. Again, he had a full pre-season to prepare with his own signings. It hasn't gone that well, but again, this past two games, uh, hopefully uh, that shows that Villa is on the way up. Mind you, they played against a disjointed Southampton, Southampton team. Uh, again, Raf Hassan Hutel hasn't done himself any favours. I truly agree to what uh, Arvid mentioned. Eh? Uh, for, for a player, you, for a manager to come out like that, why would you play or fight for that manager if you don't know whether the manager is going to stay or not, right? So you would just, uh, again, I would say probably coast around. So back to Steven Gerrard, it was a relief for him. It was a relief for Aston Villa. Um Great result, uh, and uh, let's see. Hopefully, they can just uh, build on from here. Yeah, sorry, sorry, folks. We're getting a bit of a, a news coming in from Fabrizio Romano. For that's why we're getting all these beeps and stuff. So, uh, late breaking news. I don't know what it is that Arvin's found out, but uh, Kashika, you're a positive kind of girl, and you believe in the psychological aspect. Give us some positive news about I don't know Aston Villa or Southampton, or and why I should bother to stay awake in future to watch them <laughs> i don't know the way that i see uh well, because of what um Gerard has done with rangers you think that might translate at a sort of mid-table club in the premier league so i'm thinking is this a situation like arteta where you had a not so great season and then the next season you develop your own style because right now it seems like they're happy to get away with three points rather than focusing on the way he played. I believe in one of the press conferences, Gerard himself has mentioned that for him, it was a, a relief that they just got the three points and that's their focus at this point in time. So maybe it's a time thing where they need that one season to get the points, keep them somewhat maybe mid-table or away from the relegation zone as much as possible while they develop their um, style. So I think that's the way I want or prefer to see this. <laughs> <laughs> the sun will come out tomorrow. <laughs> yeah well okay uh yeah uh, i mean but i'll just run very quickly uh is steven gerrard still going to be the next uh, liverpool manager one present well i hope so uh, but again at this at the rate things are going he really needs to bring villa at least to european competition and test himself there uh before being considered for the liverpool job well he has oh. a couple of years i i expect Klopp to stay for the next couple of seasons at least oh he's so sweet He's so sweet. I can, I can, I can almost hear the tears that are going to be flowing <laughs> in the next season or so. <laughs> uh, I've been being there with Marcello Bielsa, so you know, you sw- turn to him for advice. So, uh, okay, well then, Everton won West Ham nil. Arvin, same question as before. What was I watching? Uh, <laughs> West Ham. I, I had such hopes for them. This is there's this bracket of clubs, the Aston Villa. These are really established big names. Aston Villa, Everton, West Ham, who are kind of down the bottom. And you've got this new bunch of upstarts like the Brentfords and stuff. I know he, they lost, but they're kind of above them. It, David Moyes, is he um, too old? It's not too old. He's got a lot of credit in the bank for what he's done with West Ham. But it's it's starting to slowly move away from him. There's a lot of disgruntled West Ham fans out there at the moment in time. 
um, what he what he does is if you you follow the trend of West Ham is that he picks the same out of form players week in and week out, and he's expecting the different results. He's not making substitutions at half times when things when they start traditionally very very poorly. And he and the one thing is that Gianluca Samaka that they got from Sassuolo, as well as Mikel Antonio, that there's a clamor for 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 David Moyes to go with two up front and try. If you spend so much money on a striker, try it out. But he's not. He's refusing to do that. Thomas Suchek slows down their play tremendously in the middle. He's a great physical presence, but he slows them down. And I think teams have figured West Ham out. And if you look at the number of goals that they've scored, they're one of the lowest in the league, along with Wolves. If you don't score goals, you're not even just going to get and wins. You're not going to get draws. And this is proven. Um, <laughs> Everton, uh, we, we talked about Neil Mopoe going over. They, they, they didn't have that, that focal uh, presence because Dominic Calvert-Lewin has been injured quite a bit. But Neil Wapoy Scott, that's what he'll do. He'll get you a couple of goals here. He'll get you three points here, three points there. At the end of the season, they stay up. So West Ham have got um Moyes just keeps hitting his wall against the he is hit against one thinking it's going to create different results, but it's not. Some West Ham fans are getting a bit disgruntled at this moment in time. So Kashka, I'm not going to ask you to give a positive spin again because I don't, I don't I don't know how many arguments you've got beyond the, the little orphan Annie argument. Uh, uh, Everton, t- tell me how do they pl- what is their style? What are they what are they doing? Is there is there a consistent plan here, or is it just go out there and be you know angry and run around a bit? I think Everton still do not have like a style of play because um, it's more to do with the fact that I don't think the formation of style of play is being adapted to the players that they have. It's more that Lampard is determined to force his style of what he wants onto the players, but the players that he have can't adapt to that system. So I think they're stuck in that gridlock right now, and I don't know how or who's going to relent, but if they keep going at this rate, you're going to get like half performances here, there. You might play against a weaker team or a team that's just not shown up that fixture. You might get three points, but it's not going to be consistent enough for them to do well or to finish in the top half of the table. Oh, so Everton going to get relegated according to Keshka Subarao. <laughs> That's, that's what I heard. <laughs> okay, well, uh, we're going to look at the uh, the remaining Premier League matches and then go on and look at the uh, Champions League and Europa League in a moment after the break here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back on Just for Kicks uh, with Azran Rosain, Kashka Subaru, and Arvin Sidhu. And now, Azran, uh, the big match for Bob Holmes, who's not, not on the show today, Nottingham Forest 2, Fulham 3. That's actually a very good match. Fulham uh, have completely defied all expectations from me anyway they're very good yes they were in fact it was as you meant as you put it just now it was such an exciting game to watch uh it was uh you know up and it was a ding-dong match uh again who would have thought fulham scoring two and uh mitrovic not being part of it but um yeah uh they're good um wow uh you don't know what so tight here i finally stumped Azran with nottingham because forest it, and fulham because as you put it just now we were expecting the likes of west ham everton these are the established clubs aston villa to build on from what they had last year but in fact it's these clubs like fulham and um nottingham forest who are entertaining us with good football unfortunately for the nottingham forest they're playing really a good brand of expensive football but their defense hasn't been up to mark they're conceding too many goals and hence unfortunately for them they're losing too many matches but uh exciting again it's surprising to watch all these small teams and uh it, it's a better watch compared to some of the bigger teams some of the more established teams so i managed to stump uh Asran, but uh, arvin i turn to you to ask the same question fulham are now sixth between manchester united and chelsea 
<laughs> can they keep this up? And also, as a person who has watched, because you like to keep an eye on what's going to happen to Leeds, you watch the, the championship more than most. Um, they, they're, they're playing the style of play that uh, they played in the championship. But somehow it's it's working. It usually did that kind of thing never works. This is the advert for the championship. For anyone who doesn't watch the league, spend a bit more time and realize the amount of drama that's there in that league. Um, it's more drama in the Premier League, in my opinion, at times, but no one gives the championship a second look. But we've seen this trend before. Leeds in the first season finished at ninth. Brentford in the second season finished in the top half. And now Fulham have been one of those Premier League clubs that comes up. And obviously Fulham has been around this this part of the of the league much more often than the other clubs. Uh, but there's a certain way of doing things. And I, I'm not the biggest fan of the manager. I, I don't rate Marco Silva, but... I think he's proving a lot of skeptics wrong right now with the way that he's kind of set up the team. Some of the players that he's purchased, I think, are absolutely excellent. Like Isa Diop is a proper defender. Joe Palhina, for me, was a great buy from Sporting Lisbon, really, really at a very affordable price. And he's running that midfield. On the other hand, with, with Nottingham Forest, I mean, they've lost four in a row right now. I just struggle to think, how can you purchase 20 over players and get any manager in the world to build some form of chemistry? Because even at, at, at defence, like what um, Astran had said, you bring in Willy Bolly, who used to play for Wolves, he looked like he needed a bit more time to adapt to his surroundings. Ryan Yates also was struggling. So um, Steve Cooper's very resourceful, but this is asking a lot from a manager to incorporate 20 over players into a team when obviously the season's still one third of the way. But you need to get these things up and running. So Steve Cooper's got a lot of work to do probably during the World Cup period, in my opinion. Well, let's ask a manager, Kashika. Um, 20 new players. I mean, almost through no fault of Nottingham Forest, they had to, they had to get these new players. Uh, Fulham, back in the day, were, were uh, notorious for having done that big changeover, and that was not forced upon them. But um, can, can you... Uh, it's a, I, can, I can't think of an example. Maybe Rangers, when they got uh, broken up and then they got rebuilt. But uh, can it be done? I think it's quite difficult because you need to have one goal to get everyone directed working towards the same thing. But when you have 20-odd players that have their own different motivation and not necessarily attached to or have any ties to the club or want the club to stay on because they know that they have quality, they can go to any club within the Premier League. So I don't think they're as invested in the progress of that club. It's a big ask for a manager to try to bring in this many personalities together. And if you look at Leicester... It doesn't take a lot to fall off at the Premier League. So you're already making this uh, uphill battle for the manager rather than giving them an easier transition. I think that they should have gotten a couple of senior players, uh, a couple of good quality players, and then try to retain the team and slowly get that turnover rather than just get everyone in and try to do something about it. Nottingham Forest is going to get relegated, according to Keshika Subarao. <laughs> That's what I heard. <laughs> So okay, Azran. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stump you again. Uh, but you don't have you didn't have to spend very long on this one. Okay, Newcastle won, Bournemouth won. It was a good game. Um, I wasn't really sure what I was watching. I don't know what Newcastle is or are. Um, so they got some good players. Bournemouth. I have no idea what they is or are. Talk about Newcastle and Bournemouth for one minute. Sure. So before the game, I think people would expect because on paper Newcastle. 
definitely has the upper hand over Bournemouth. And especially with what has happened over Bournemouth over the course of the season, having that unfortunately huge loss at Anfield as well as losing their manager, we thought that was going to be a sure three points for Newcastle. But in fact, Bournemouth did turn up. Uh, in fact, they scored first. And um, uh, Newcastle did find it found it difficult to break through the Bournemouth's defence. No? Uh, it took, uh, I think it was a penalty by Alexander Isaac um, that, that, that salvaged the point. Unfortunately, again, Newcastle is a team that a lot similar to the theme that what we, we spoke about just now. It's another established team that we expect much more of, especially with the number of investments that have taken place with Newcastle. True, uh, you can say that they have had an unlucky time with injuries. Uh, but now uh, against Bournemouth, I think they managed to get the return of uh, Bruno Gomaraish, uh, who probably will be their focal point in their midfield. Uh, but it wasn't such a good performance by Newcastle. Uh, I, I, I truly, watching the highlights of the game, I truly thought that the point was well deserved by Bournemouth. So uh, a lot more effort has to be done. Again, similar to Nottingham Forest, this embedding, no? because obviously with Newcastle, there's a number of incoming new players as well. The World Cup probably would give the opportunity for some of these teams to a, a bit of a team-building session for the for the players to get to know each other. Unfortunately for Newcastle, a lot of their players are international, so a number of them will probably be going to the World Cup. But for Nottingham Forest, probably this is the time that the 20 over new employees or new new team members will get the opportunity to get to know each other. Uh, but again, more is expected for Newcastle. <laughs> get to know before. each other. <laughs> <laughs> like a team building session. No? <laughs> yeah, we'll just, just get to, just, they need name tags on their, on their chest, you know? Yeah, probably. And color coding for defender and midfielder and stuff. Play truth or dare and uncover each other's deeper secrets, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Arvin, you're in, in human rules, resources, so you'll know, you'd know how to do that. Hey, Arvin, all right, I'm going to give you the same question. Leeds are on eight points alongside Bournemouth and Newcastle. Are these three teams actually the same as each other? Are they on the same level or do you see Newcastle breaking away? I see Newcastle breaking away. I Bournemouth have had probably an early season sort of okay start when you compare them to the likes of obviously Fulham have been have been the best promoter team and you've got right at the bottom Forest who, who, who are struggling we've talked about it so Bournemouth are where they are but it was it, it's it's a stubborn performance for Bournemouth and and they'll take a point coming away from St James's Park they will um but for me Bournemouth right now when you compare them to Leeds as well as uh, Newcastle Leeds and Newcastle have got structure in place they've got managers in place they've got owners in place who are there for the long term Bournemouth, besides the fact that they need to get a permanent manager in, there's a talk of a Las Vegas consortium buying them over as well. So you need, you're going to have potentially new owners in the next couple of weeks, and then you're going to have a new manager. And some of the guys that they've been talking about is setting the favourite is Sean Dyche to come in. So Sean Dyche will have that one rapport of just keeping them up. So for me, I still feel Newcastle, because of their resources, and they've got a little bit better players than Leeds, will kind of move away. Leeds will be there thereabouts, but Bournemouth will be in, in for a fight for me to remain in the Premier League. So, Kashika, let's let's turn to Europe. And let's turn to uh, Europa League. And Sheriff Tiraspol, nil, Manchester United, two. I did not watch the match, but I watched the highlights. And what I saw, some of the parts from Manchester United, were really, really good. Um, they looked like Ajax, but it, it was, but they kept saying, you know, the ball was going to Ronaldo and people like that, and it was it was mesmerizing. Is this the new Manchester United clicking? I believe so because if not just this match, if you look at the previous couple of matches, you can slowly see them coming together, and you can even see players like just example like Scott McTominay 
doing better than he has done in a while. And I'm not sure if that's the pressure of the new signings or it's just the way that the manager has um, bring the team together. But I truly believe that he's gotten them to play a style that he wants and to perform in the way that he's expecting them to do so. And and they've clearly bought into it then. I mean, it, the, mm-hmm. the story was always that it that they they have their own minds and they don't want to do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But they're doing it. They're professionals. They, they seem to be very put together now and they're all heading towards the same direct, direction rather than the parts... Um, Couple of managers, but everyone's just pulling in different man, uh, different directions. Uh, Azran, I mean, I, no, we're not going to talk about Sheriff. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I didn't, I didn't watch the Open League over the week. Oh, okay, stumped him again. Oh, <laughs> but there was more, much more important things. Or yeah, we'll get to talk about the Champions League. No? Yeah, we'll get to that. Don't <laughs> worry, Arvin. I, I'm going to turn to you then. Manchester United, I thought were very good. Can they take that into the league, the Premier League? If they play like that. Would that hurt teams in the Premier League? It would, because I, I believe Eric Ten Hag, what he's done really, really well is, and if you look at the lineups in the Premier League and in the Europa League, you would think going away to Moldova to play Sheriff, he would probably let go a little bit, but he didn't. He used the same backline that he's trusting in the Premier League right now. So the United backline has got an identity about it. And how often did we say that before with the calamity of Maguire and, and Lindelof? Now they've got... Tara Malasia, who he's brought in, Lisandro Martinez, which he's brought in, Rafael Varane, which for me is the best defender that they have, and Diego Dalo, who's, I think, one Besaka doesn't have a future at Man United. So there's an identity about your base. And then up front, uh, Ericsson was man of the match against Sheriff, which was great for him. Jadon Sancho seems motivated because he wasn't called up for the England squad and he played really well as well. And Ronaldo, obviously right now, greatest of all time, he's got more Europa League goals than Messi and Neymar. He's got one, the other two don't have any Europa League goals. So oh, well, and, I, and, I, and I bet that keeps them up at night. Obviously, so yeah. But <laughs> I want to say for United, that there's an identity about Eric Ten Hag. And it's a very correct time for him because when he stumbled upon this winning formula is when the likes of Maguire, Luke Shaw are not in that squad. There's no reason to bring them in right now because you're winning. And Ronaldo, he seems to have got him on his side as well. So... A few good things for, for Man United, and I believe they can hurt a bit more teams in the Premier League now. So, Keshika, Manchester United are going to win the Europa League, are they? Hopefully, we should. <laughs> yeah, so they're not. So, you heard it here. <laughs> Keshika says United are not going to win the Europa League. <laughs> um, so, in a moment, we're going to turn uh, and look at, yes, Azran Liverpool here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back on Just for Kicks with Azran, Kashka, and Arvin. And now, Azran, your moment to shine because it's the Champions League. It's Liverpool. It was Liverpool 2, Ajax 1. And I have to say, Liverpool, they won. That's always good, isn't it? But it was a very unflowing uh, display from me, and which is very un-Liverpool-like. Uh, it, you know, I don't think it was uh, terribly... I don't, think, I don't think any other team's going to be very scared of Liverpool. I think um, in a usual context, the game would have been a typical Liverpool game because Liverpool controlled the game, had lots of shots on goal and scored in the last, well, nearly the last minute. So previously, Liverpool had shown the mentality monsters that they are. But given the current scenario where Liverpool has been struggling uh, for form, uh, that wasn't totally convincing, but again, a win to win. Unfortunately for Liverpool, the next game's not going to be until October, uh, with the game over the weekend being postponed, unfortunately. So again, 
I think we've spoken about this, another false dawn, hopefully not this time around. Um, the game against Brighton it's uh, uh, in a couple of weeks would be the litmus test for Liverpool, whether the, the season has started on track or not. The good thing about having a break for the next for this next couple of weeks is uh, the fact that Liverpool will be able to then welcome uh, a few more uh, injured players back to the fold. Eh? Uh, so I think um, a win's a win. Uh, it was a uh, the score wasn't convincing, but the performance was, if you ask me. Uh, Ajax scored a fantastic, fabulous goal through Mohamed Kudus. I think this uh, youngster Ajax, every year on year, they continue to produce excellent youngsters. No? So this uh, Mohamed Kudus is another one to look out for. A fantastic goal. He scored as well uh, the, in the previous round against Rangers. Uh, yeah, Ajax did well. Liverpool played as how they usually play. They couldn't score until the nearly the last minute. So all is well. A win is a win. Hopefully uh, it is the start of the new season for us. Finally. Okay, so you're also going with uh, Keshka's The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> Positive advice only. Positive yeah. advice only. Yeah, all right, okay, fair enough. Uh, Keshka, um, I want to ask a question about players. Uh, Mohamed Salah, very good player. And as, as we saw with Sun Heung-min earlier, he'd been struggling to score and then he gets his hat trick. Uh, Mohamed Salah scored uh, a good goal. But he's, um, you know, when, when players get into a dip like that, oh, well, obviously it can be physical, but... It, is there a psychological stop or is it just the loss of balls coming to you from Sadio Mane? It's quite common for strikers to have a dip in form at some point, especially when you're performing at that level consistently for a long period of time. That's bound to come at some point, but it's how they bounce back from it or teammates and manager that they have, how they bring them back to their um, scoring form. Sounds, uh, Patrick the other day, he was benched first. So in a way, that could have relieved pressure for him to perform. That allowed him to go out there and play as freely as he wanted to. And so I think with Salah, it could be the same thing as well. Okay, a bit, a bit of break up there with your, your uh, reception. But um, the, the idea is then that you think that he can come back and he can be as he was, Mohamed Salah. I think for sure. And Son Heung-min for that matter. Now that he's scored... With with Son, now that he's scored his hat-trick, he'll just be banging in goals. Hopefully, because typically when strikers have a dip in form, it's usually a confidence issue or it's just them not being able to perform consistently at that level. And a lot of the time, it's a psychological thing. So relieving the pressure of them having to go out there and perform at that level helps. Yeah. Hey, uh, Arvin, uh, Liverpool, going to win the Champions League, going to win the league. Uh, Asran was mentioning Brighton. It, it's in a strange situation where Liverpool is eighth on nine points. They're going to be playing fourth place, Brighton and Hove Albion. This is a this is a pretty bad season, isn't it? No, I mean, come on, guys. It's it's early doors. It's it's early doors. It's it's, it's they've had their challenges. They've had to adapt. Uh, having Darwin Nunes sent off and getting three matches banned doesn't help the scenario. Sadio Mane did a lot of work for them, not just uh, mm. offensively but defensively as well. Uh, they've 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 clamoured for a central midfielder. Arthur Mello's come in, but needs a bit of time. Um, the one that's a bit <clears throat> a friend of mine was telling me if you watch the movie Space Jam, Virgil Van Dyke for me is like sort of one of those split those real players in Space Jam where all the talent seems to have gone away from him and he doesn't want to play the game. The one thing about Liverpool that's a bit concerning for me is Virgil Van Dyke is in quite a bad run of form in terms of how his high standards are. But it's still early days. I mean, they, they'll turn it around. They'll be competing. They would expect to at least be in the semis 
of the Champions League to be in the top top two, top three. So let, let's not write them off. I mean, Klopp has deserved his time to turn it around. And I think he'll get over his so-called seven-year itch that he's had in Mainz and Dortmund. The long way. Hmm. Well, speaking of Dortmund, uh, there was Man City 2, Dortmund 1. Keshe, I'm going to jump straight back to you because Haaland scored a fantastic goal. Uh, it was really good. And um, we're talking about uh, strikers with a loss of form. Not happening to this man. But um, he reminds me of Gary Lineker. And Gary Lineker was talking about how being a striker for him is a numbers game. As a striker, you just simply have to put yourself in the box, uh, put yourself in the right position, and the ball will come to you. And then you must score. And so, um, you know, Haaland seems to be that player. It's quite a basic principle do you think would you agree with i mean who are we to disagree with gary lineker a lot of people think a striker's job is to just finish and bang in goals but what you do off the ball leading up to that is more important because that's where you need to move in order to lose the defenders get into the right space and i do agree about the numbers game but i also think that if your team overloads that will help you because you then have to just focus on moving into the right space at the right time so it's, it's really easy then being a striker <laughs> Is that, that's what you're saying. I mean, I could do it then. <laughs> yeah? What are you laughing about? <laughs> I got the height. Um, okay, Azran, Liverpool are obviously really Champions League aristocracy, certainly in the English game. Man City have struggled. But are we looking at, I think, and I think we are, looking at a Ma- Manchester City, a Pep Guardiola Manchester City that could finally break the, um, the, the curse? Yeah, I think they look on track. Uh, Erling Hall, talking about the numbers game, uh, I, I do agree with that Kishika mentioned that you know what's most important is how they contribute towards the team, building up to the goal, not just about scoring goals. But if you look at Haaland's statistics, he probably has uh, one of the least touches uh, in the <laughs> yeah. game for a striker. I think that if you look at the statistics, but he scores so many goals because that's because Manchester City doesn't really need him to create those goals. They've got... Another 10 other players you can create, including Edison as well, by the way. Because they've got 10 absolutely creative players that what he needs to be is just be the either the fox in the box or the nuisance in the penalty box. No? And, and again, he is an excellent finisher, by the way. So that helps as well. So talking about Man City, I do see them, again, being there or thereabouts in every single competition this season, unfortunately. Uh, obviously, the season is a bit unique because you it's literally split into two. There's a World Cup in between it. So anything can happen during the World Cup, especially with Man City having a lot of players uh, going to the World Cup, presumably. Uh, unfortunately, Haaland isn't. So he'll be probably put in a warm cotton wool <laughs> during the months of November, uh, putting him fresh for, 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 December, for December onwards. And that's definitely a, a terrifying sight for opposition defenders. You know? A fit, fresh Haaland running at them. Uh, yeah, uh, I do see City being there or thereabouts towards the end of the season, even in the European competitions, because uh, they are a scary, scary team uh, to, to watch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and you mentioned uh, Arvin Virgil van Dijk. Yeah, if he came back from the World Cup and, uh, and all of that, and then, yes, he finds Haaland running at him. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, hey, uh, Arvin, um, I'm going to ask you a, a, a quick a general question. Champions League, lot happened. Real Madrid got off to an uncustomary good start. Two, two, two in a row, they've won, and they've got a 100% record in um, La Liga. 
And obviously, they're the team that everybody has to go through if they want to even... Well, if they're going, they're going to meet at the final. Manchester City going to trouble Real Madrid? Or is it a psychological issue? It's psychological. If you look at the Champions League semis last season, City had that game. For Madrid to turn it around and score two goals in the last five minutes was quite incredible. And you're looking at extra time goals. Um, Carlo Ancelotti has come on and said that it doesn't matter for his team to play well at this part of the season. He just wants them to win. And that's what they do. They just win. They 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 make most of their very little resources and they win. And they've been winning without Karim Benzema. So it's a team, it's a teammate for winners. And I and I have to point out it was very important that the team showed up and supported uh Vinny Jr. because some of the racist uh, comments that have been made of him is totally not 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 allowed in football. I, I'm, I'm hugely against that. So for them to have gone to Atletico Madrid and got the win, which is probably their toughest game this season so far, was very impressive as well. So when they meet, if they meet again, we'll come down to that psychological issue. But City will be better because they've had another year, a bit more experience, and Madrid have let go players like Casimiro. Uh, Bale is gone. Uh, uh, Isco is gone. But they've got a very good set of youngsters. I keep I keep telling you, Fede Valverde would get into any midfield in the world. Uh, Arad Kukchumani has come in and Casimiro doesn't seem to be missed. So Madrid will be there and thereabouts. Um, but like what Carlos said, he just needs them to win. doesn't matter how. Yeah. You said Bale is gone. Was Bale ever really there? At the first, yeah, the first two seasons he was. Uh, yeah, they, he... Won, they won the Champions League with him scoring in the final against Liverpool. He won the Copa del Rey goal against Barcelona. So he was... Uh, but I think after a while, golf started picking a present. Yeah, I think he really improved his golf handicap. I think I, I, I think he's pretty good at golf now. Hey, uh, we got to go, but Keshik, I want to ask you very quickly. Psychologically, you, you are our sports psychologist. Man City, they've got a psychological problem. Can that ever be broken? Can they win the Champions League? I think they can. It, it depends on how they change their narrative regarding that. Because if they go, this is something that we've always struggled with, but this is the season we're going to change it. We are doing really well in the league right now. Like when I say really well, it's not even like previous seasons. It's doing exceptionally well, exceeding their previous season uh, forms. So if they take that and try to go into the Champions League with that mindset, yeah. Yep. So uh, I think a group uh, meeting where they all watch Annie on VHS and... They're going to feel like we can do anything, guys. <laughs> that's, that's how it's going to work. Um, okay, well, that brings us to the end of this week's show. Uh, and, I, um, and well, next week, the, the Premier League will, you know, fully start up again. And uh, we'll be catching up with them. But for now, thank you so much, Arvin Sidhu. Thank you, everyone. It's always good to be here. Keshika Zubarao. Thank you for having me. Azran Rosin. Thank you very much, guys. And our producer for this week's show is uh, Daryl Ong. And so please join us for another episode of Just for Kicks on Friday here on BFM 89.9.